Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say uh, go Bills. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Rico Report. Brought to you by the Buffalo Fanatics. What's up, people? What's happening? I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend of watching some football. Unfortunately, without our Buffalo Bills. Well, you guys already know, man. It's been uh, a heck of a season. And uh, I mean, not to rehash the type of season we've had, but that's the way the cookie crumbles, man. We watch all offseason. We pay attention to the moves that our team makes. And we talk ourselves into, man, this is the team. Man, that was an underrated draft pick. Man, he's undersized, but so is Matt Milano. And look what Matt Milano turned into. Oh, we finally got size at the corner. We talk ourselves into hyping this team up. And I think that's every fan base. We're not the only one. Trust me and believe that. Even the lowly, you know what I'm saying, the Texans. Or like, you know what, this might be the year. We got some players. We got some dogs. We, we feel me. We got a corner. We got a running back. We're just a quarterback away. I mean, they all talk themselves into it like we always do. And that's just, uh, that's just the, that's just the way it is. And um, no different for the Buffalo Bills. And we were humbled, if you will, <laughs> to uh, sit down on the couch and watch other teams play. Not part of you didn't think like, man, that should be me watching my team at three o'clock. That should be me watching my team at 630. And you're like, damn. Then you realize, hold on a second. Let's, let's, let's travel back a little bit. Let's travel back and realize the last few games <laughs> were a little rocky. The last few games for the Bills were a little rocky, although we came out with some dubs. They were a little rocky. Some might say it was the writing on the wall. The writings were the writings, the scratches were on the wall um, that pretty much were telling us, ah, you're not ready. But at the same time, sometimes you need those nitty gritty, ugly wins. You know what I'm saying? Just to get over the hump to get to where you're going. But we faced the juggernaut. We faced a team that just we didn't match up well. They they, we just didn't match their energy. They found, they found things that prepped them better to come in and really, you know what I mean, put it to us. It's what it, it's what it comes down to, right, at the end of the day. But uh, nonetheless, it was, good, it was a good football weekend. You feel for the 49ers. You really do feel for the 49ers because you thought, I mean, we know the Eagles are good. The Eagles are a solid team. There's no question about that. We know that. And, uh, you knew that facing the Giants, that's that wasn't gonna do nothing for you. So finally, you you meet a team that okay can match you defensively, can match you offensively, and Brock Purdy was doing big things for them. 
Brock Purdy was doing big things for them, but uh, it didn't work out. Defense prevails. It's so funny, man, because like if you look at both uh, both teams playing for the Super Bowl, at the end of the day, it was it's, it was defense that kind of really made the difference in the game, right? Obviously, the 49ers defense didn't come through the way they would like them to come through. Um, but that Eagles pass rush was relentless, man. They were relentless up the middle, relentless on the edge, just weren't stopping. They just kept coming. And uh, it proved a little too much, you know what I'm saying, for, for the Niners because not one quarterback went down, but two. Because that pass rush was on their ass, man. So um, something to pay attention to, right? You go back to the Chiefs-Bengals game. Burrow's interception. Might you might once you might say I mean that was that was a difference maker, right? The fumble to uh, Pat Mahomes, that that right there as as well. So a and yet at the end of the day, penalties penalties killed you. Penalties killed the 49ers. Penalty killed penalties killed obviously the Bengals. Um, did the right team advance to the Super Bowls? I'd say yeah. I'd say yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow had opportunities to close it out, right? Right when you need to close it out, two minutes left in the game, that's when, you know what I'm saying, is go time. It's go time for you and your team to, you know, ice it and put it away. But it just wasn't their time. It just wasn't their time. But they 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 made it a game. The freaking Bengals made it a game. And uh, and it came right down to, you know what I mean, who's got who's going to make the last play? Who's going to make the last play? And it's unfortunate because on that last drive, Pat Mahomes didn't really do a whole lot on that last drive. I'm specifically talking about the last drive. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, uh, Joseph Asai had to hit my guy out of bounds. You got to let up. You got to let up. Situational awareness. You got to know, you know what I'm saying? Down in distance, what where you're at, what the what, what where you're at in this game, what's on the line, and uh, sometimes you get tunnel vision, and uh, you're just trying to make a play for your team, and boom, there it is. So, uh, it happens, man. It really sucks, but it happens. But anyways, uh, before I get into content for today, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you kind of you have an idea of where I'm going with this. So, uh, if you guys aren't following, by the way, jump in there and uh, follow your boy. On uh, on the old Twitter, on the old Twitter factory. If you uh, if you aren't following me, check me out. Uh, you can follow me right here. Boom! Oh, wrong side. Bang! Uh, Rico underscore BF. Hit me up. That's how we roll. Um, so let's let's talk about things around the league before we get into uh, content for today. And uh, hold on, I got my girl Caitlin. What's up, Kate? Kate says uh, this offense doesn't look good enough to win a Super Bowl this year. Eesh. At the, at the beginning of the year, it looked real good. At the beginning of the year, it looked real good. It looked like a Super Bowl winning team until the injury bug hit us in the wrong places. The injury bug hit us in the wrong places. Micah Hyde going down, that was a tough one. Micah Hyde going down was a tough one. Uh, but we recovered. We still kind of managed. We still, you know what I'm saying? We had some, some depth pieces that <clears throat> stepped in and, uh, and, and filled in admirably. And, uh, and then losing Von Miller was a big one. 
but we still put wins together. That's the crazy thing, right? We lost Von Miller, but we still strung some wins together. We put some things, we got some gutsy wins and we put some things together. And, uh, but we just, we fell short because in crunch time, those are when you need those type of players, right? You need a Micah Hyde that jumps in on, on a New England freaking pass, you know what I'm saying, from the banker himself, Macaroni Jones. Mac Jones throws a beautiful ball to the end zone. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the game changes right there. Maybe it's a game changer, but here comes Micah Hyde with a beautiful interception. Those things matter. A pass rush would have mattered for us this, this you know what I'm saying, this playoff, but that's not the way the cookie crumbled for us. That's not the way the cookie crumbled. But uh, we'll get into that, Kate. I, I appreciate that. But we just, it just wasn't, it wasn't our turn. It just wasn't our turn. That's the only way we can explain it. It just wasn't our turn. Um, but you know whose turn it is? Several coaches, a few coaches got opportunities to in the NFL. And uh, we're going to travel around the league, folks. Let's travel around the league to see what's happening around the league. And uh, let's talk about it, right? So uh, first things first, let me get my banner up. Let me get my banner up. And my banner's not up yet. Um, but uh, hold on a second here. Let me, there it goes. There's my recall report. So around the league, um, you guys know what it is, man. There's always things that's going on around the league. And uh, first things first, the New England, excuse me, the Broncos. The Broncos make a splash. They make a splash, and it's a pricey splash. It's a pricey splash because Mr. Sean Payton heads over to the freaking Broncos. They finally got their head coach. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a, a squabble going on online with uh, Ian Rappaport and, and, and Schefter. You got Ian Rappaport talking about the Broncos. You know what I'm saying? They, per, they were pursuing D'Amico Ryans, and they wanted him. And D'Amico was like, nah, man, I'm going back. I'm going to the Texans. Man. I'm going to go in and bring my services over there. So then they're like, all right, cool. Let's switch up to the next one. Let's go Sean Payton. And Sean Payton was like, all right, I'm in. Right? So it, it wasn't their first choice, allegedly. Right? That's coming from Ian Rappaport. And then here comes Schefter. Schefter's like, uh, fam, they were, never pursued, they, they were never in pursuit of D'Amico Ryans. It was Sean Payton all the way through. And here it is. It was, it was him all the way through, and that's exactly what happened. So who's correct, Ian, Ian Rappaport or, or freaking Schefter? Who cares? <laughs> Who freaking cares at the end of the day? You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> those two, like, those are like the, the two big dogs that, you know, we get the rumors right. And uh, you got one. I mean, the end result is the end result, right? So who you want to believe? <laughs> who cares? Who cares at the end of the day? Uh, but shout out to, uh, to the Broncos, man. They finally got their head coach. Will he turn things around for the Broncos? They got a good squad. They got a good squad, but the draft, the draft capital is not great. So he's going to have to work with what he's got. But they're like, you know, like any other, any of these coaches out here, when you got some, when you have some clout, when you have some a resume, you got a Super Bowl under your belt and uh, you, you've done really well with quarterbacks. You had Jameis Winston. You had him. I think you had Jameis Winston a little bit. You had uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You had him with a decent record. You had Taysom Hill starting at your quarterback. You had him playing pretty well. So uh, you got a resume behind you. You got a resume behind you. You know how to, you know what I'm saying, get these guys ready to go. So I'm sure you will, you will get my man Russell Wilson back on track and ready to roll. That's, that's, that's the only 
that's the best. That's the best thing for the Broncos, man. They got a guy that knows football. So we're about to find we're about to find out how these Broncos do. Maybe they'll be right back in the mix. Right back in the mix. We'll see. Uh Christian Vargas. What's up, Christian? Christian comes in with a super chat. I appreciate that super chat. My G. He goes, uh, y'all starting to sound like them Cowboys fans, man. Talking about this is our year. <laughs> Listen, man, we all come in saying this is our year. So Christian, you you capping right now if you did you didn't think the same thing, right? Uh if you root for the Texans or if you root for, you know what I'm saying, the Broncos, if you root forever at the beginning of the year, it's everyone's year because you're zero, zero. You're zero, zero. Nobody, everybody's optim, optimistic about their team, their, their new head coach, their new offensive coordinator, their new scheme, their new free agents they brought in, right? We spent a lot of money. You can't tell me the Jaguars didn't come in thinking, yo, this, this could be the year. It didn't start off so great. And guess what? They ended up freaking winning the South. But they were optimistic right from the jump. Trevor Lawrence coming into a second year. They put some team. They put a team around him. Zay Jones, uh, Christian Kirk. We all we all laughed at Christian Kirk getting the bag, that heavy bag, and it actually ended up working out for them really well, really well. So you gotta you gotta give them you gotta give them credit, man. Christian, I mean, uh, you got uh, Ingram going over there, so it worked out really well for them. So it all start it always starts off as this is our year. And if you don't, if you, if you sit here talking about like, nah, I, I never really thought that. Obviously, you know, a team that's in rebuild mode. There's, there's the obvious rebuild mode team. And that's when, you know, I mean, there are times where I was a Bills fan when I was a Bills fan and we were not going to be good. And I knew it. We're like, oh, this is going to be one of those years, but there was always hope. And that's what always killed us as Bills fans. Cause we always had hope, man. We're playing Tom Brady. We got hope We're the, the game is really close right now. We're in the third quarter, and then we get blown out in the fourth. And we're like, that's the team I know. <laughs> until we get the right pieces, until we get the right coach. And some of these teams have done that, starting with the Broncos. So we'll see how the Broncos plays out. Miami Dolphins are trying to get Vic Fangio. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, so we're still waiting on that. Um, the, the, Bron- the, uh, the 49ers, uh, Brock Purdy's going for some surgery. You got to give credit. You got to give credit to Josh Allen because Josh Allen took the exact same hit that Brock Purdy took. The exact same hit. May not have been like, you know what I'm saying, uh, full, I don't know, because they both got two different, they're two different beasts, right? But Josh Allen took the same hit, stayed in the game, not only took that hit, stayed in the game, visibly hurt, a player or two later launches a 60-yard bomb. So you're like, okay, maybe he might be in it. And he stayed in the whole year. Stayed in the whole year, no surgery, gutted it out, put a seven-game, eight-game win streak with that. You got to give him some credit, folks. We got to give Josh Allen credit, man. He took that hit. He ate that hit like a G. And then you have someone like Brock Purdy that takes the exact same hit, and he's got he's to get surgery. Six months now. Nobody's nobody's debating his toughness because he came back in the game. They tried to at least help them out through a couple passes. But this not really more about Brock Purdy per se. This is more about Josh Allen took the same damn hit and he freaking gutted it out. Like that's craziness. You got a guy that's going for six months. So he's going to be out six months uh, with the UCL injury. Same thing happened to Josh and he stayed right in. You got to give credit to Josh, man. That boy, competitor, competitor, man. 
Um, David Kula says, uh, Purdy tore his UCL, Josh strained it. I, I'm saying they took the same hit. It was the same hit, right? Turn back. It's just one guy really got, really got hit. But most guys, when they take a hit like that, you might take some time to heal up. You might take some time to kind of, and that's the point I'm trying to make. You got to take some time to heal up and let it, Josh didn't take no time. He just rehabbed the hell of that arm and kept it moving. That's pretty dope, man. You got to give it to him, man. That's tough. That's that's a tough-ass quarterback. That's a tough quarterback, man. So uh, shout-out to uh, shout out to uh, to uh, my man uh, Brock Purdy. He's going to go for some surgery, and he'll be all right, man. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, former Texan, uh, went played, uh, played at head coach for six years for the 49ers. He's going to get his opportunity, man. He's had that 49ers defense the last two, three years, man, just humming, man. These guys were nice. So D'Amico Ryan's getting an opportunity, a true opportunity, you hope, uh, with the Texans. Got a six-year deal. So hopefully he gets to turn that thing around. They are a quarterback away from, you know what I'm saying, really competing in that AFC South because they say the South ain't, ain't really doing it, right? You got the Titans. You got the Colts that are kind of messy right now. They're quarterback away to really doing something. Uh, you thought you had one in Matt Ryan, but it's not working out. And then you have... Uh, the Texans that are up and coming. They had a decent year for a team that didn't have a quarterback. A team that didn't have a quarterback, they really pushed some teams, and they went toe-to-toe with the freaking Chiefs. So uh it'll be it'll be it'll be nice to see uh it'll be nice to see uh D'Amico Ryan's get the uh get that program turned around. It'll be cool. You you root for teams like that. You root for teams like that. Oh, don't forget the Jags. <laughs> don't forget the Jags, man. The Jags will uh it's gonna be tough, man. That AFC South is gonna be tough. They're gonna be some. They're gonna be competing for that thing. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see the AFC South battle it out, battle it out. Um, so D'Amico Ryan's shout out to D'Amico Ryan's. He's got that head coaching job over there with the Texans. At first, it was rumors that he didn't want it. He's like, Nah, man, I'm not giving those guys an opportunity. They're just gonna clown. So I guess when you meet with people, you have a good, honest conversation, and uh, and away they go. So that's what's up. Um, uh, for the in terms of around the league, that's pretty much like the, the big news popping around the league. Uh, Josh Allen has uh, decided to uh, forego going to the Pro Bowl, and uh, he's uh, he's gonna you know I mean go for the pro am. He's gonna go golfing instead and go for a golf tournament. And uh, here's it's funny because here's I don't call it controversy per se, but who replaces Josh Allen? Tyler Huntley. And I'm not poo-pooing on Tyler Huntley, but Tyler Huntley, backup quarterback, making the Pro Bowl is just crazy to me. It's just crazy. Let's l- listen, man. We all knew that we've all been talking about the Pro Bowl being some bullshit, and it is because when you allow fans to vote, and these guys just vote every day. There's some fans that are dedicated, click, 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 voting for you know what I'm saying their guy. You know, it's a mess. You know what I'm saying? Tyler Huntley making it? Are you kidding me? As the backup quarterback? Like, and then this this is the funny thing. I Then I started over, like, I mean, reading, well, if Tyler Huntley can make it, then Billy Zapp could make it too. And I'm like, okay. Now when you, when you start throwing names like Billy Zappy into the mix for a freaking Pro Bowl, knock it off. Knock it all the way off. That That's some craziness. That's some craziness to me. But anyway, Josh is like, yo, F your Pro Bowl. Um, it is what it is. But which makes you makes, makes you question uh, being a pro bowler. Like, 
do, do we do we use that as uh, a, a way to to show love to a player these days? Does it matter? Did the pro? I mean, the pro Bowl back in the day, if you were if you're um, I don't know, uh, name a player from back in the day that when Pro Bowls, you know, what I mean, you played the Pro Bowl, um, it mattered, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of a play, any player you can think of. They go to play Aaron Rodgers making the Pro Bowl, right? It mattered. It freaking mattered. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, because you played the Pro Bowl and you did it. You know what I'm saying? London Fletcher making Pro Bowls, like it, it mattered. Now, what does it matter? I can't even talk about it. Like, let's just say I'm talking about like our own guys. Let's talk about it. Roger Saffle. In the past, Roger Saffle making the Pro Bowl, cool. You understood it. You earned it. Roger Saffle making the Pro Bowl now? Really? Really? Because when you look at how he graded, when you look at how he graded, according to PFF, wasn't wasn't a top-tier guard. Funny enough, he was actually one of the bottom-tier guards in the league, but yet we're celebrating him as a pro bowler. Very odd. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to me. Uh, my man... Uh, Fly Fishing says, yo, the Pro Bowl was great in the 90s. That's it. 90s to 2000s. 90s to 2000s, it was cool. And then 2010s and on, then you're like, okay, what, what kind of mess are we? We're, we're now messing up the game right now. We're messing up the game. You know what I'm saying? So you got Roger Saffle coming in as a Pro Bowler. What? And, and especially if you paid attention to his, pre, his last game with the Bills, he knows he ain't coming back. That's number one. And if we bring him back, shame on the Bills organization. Shame on them. But 50, my man Brian Bowers, he was 50 out of 53 guards, according to PFF. But he's a Pro Bowler. Yikes. Richard Forbes, what's up, Rich? Rich says, yo, Pro Bowl was good back in the day. I can't remember when it was when it all went to shit, but it's been it's been shit for a minute. <laughs> you ain't lying, brother. You ain't lying, man. So, like, that's why it's hard. Like, so when we, we start going, and, and, I have to, and I'm going to have to check myself as well. So when we start going through the free agency and we see like, oh, man, like we got this player, man. He's a four-time pro bowler. I'm not doing that no more. Do you have an all-pro? Okay, you don't. Then you're, you're like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? That using the, the pro bowler is just not going to work out for me. I mean, we have our very own guy on the team right now. That would that is a pro bowler, and that that's Tremaine Edmonds. Can you can you really give him those and say, yo, man, he's a pro bowler, though? He's a pro bowler. We know Tremaine Edmonds, and I like Tremaine Edmonds. And this is not this is not a a, a, a a shot at Tremaine Edmonds. I like him. I think we should resign him. But like pro bowler, I ain't using that no more, man. Pro bowler, that ain't that ain't gonna be in my vocabulary when it comes to they're saying bringing these players up. No more. It's either you're all pro and, or that's it. It's a wrap. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but for the most part, man, that's that's pretty much noise around the league. Uh, a couple things here and there, but uh, big uh, head coach signings. And uh, you got two teams going to the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs and the new, the freaking Philadelphia Eagles. That'll be interesting. Oh, oh by the way, when it's coming, and I'm going to get into it because we have some free agents that are that are going to be hitting our team right now. Uh, potentially, and uh, the tag. If we tag Tremaine Edmonds, 
is going to be pricey, folks. $20.9 million if we freaking tag, franchise tag, Tremaine Edmonds. Are y'all ready for that? Can you justify giving $20 million to Tremaine Edmonds? I can't. There's no way. There's no way we're franchise tagging. We can't franchise tag him. And although the cap has risen, so we went from 208 to like 228. So a surplus of 16 mil um, total from what I understand. We're still under. I mean, excuse me. We're still over the cap. We're over the cap of like 20 mil, give or take, something like that. Even with even with the freaking uh, cap rising. So um, it benefits us a little bit because, I mean, at the end of the day, we all know if you want to make things happen, Brandon Bean's going to make things happen. He's going to shake things around. He's going to do this and move numbers here and move numbers there. And all of a sudden, we got Von Miller because we didn't have the money last year either until we got Von Miller. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Until they freaking massaged the numbers and made things happen. Anything is possible when it comes to the cap. Anybody, anybody going to tell me different? We've seen the Rams do it <laughs> countless, countless times. We've seen the Saints do it. The Saints have been in cap, cap freaking purgatory for a minute now, but they still, they still survive some way. So we'll we'll see how that we'll see that how that goes over. We we got a fifth year option. We picked up the fifth year option for Ed Oliver. I got my I got my thoughts on Ed Oliver. Two and a half sacks this year, I believe. We did not draft a defensive tackle to give us two and a half sacks in a year that you had Von Miller, you had help at the defensive tackle position, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. Motherfucker, you had help. You know what I'm saying? You weren't playing nose anymore. You were not playing nose. You were playing your rightful position. And still, you fell short. You fell short to the expectation. You had some moments. You had some good moments. Don't get me wrong. But like 10.7 million? Are y'all ready for that? 10.7 mil for Ed Oliver isn't really bad deal. Teron Johnson is getting 10 mil next year. At least I can justify for Teron Johnson. Can you justify two and a half sacks at 10 mil? Does he hold a point of attack at 6'1", maybe 6'2", 287 pounds? I've seen this guy get moved. Get out, get out the way, man. I've seen him split a defense as well. But he's not as dominant for us to justify $10 million to him. So, I mean, they felt the value was there. So they're going to go with it. But I don't know, fam. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And here's another thing. That's a great point. Teron is a fourth-round draft pick. That plays a crucial position in the slot. And he's earned his keep. You can't tell me he hasn't earned his keep. Obviously, that second contract tells you he's earned his keep. I don't know, fam. It's Ed Oliver news. I don't know, fam. I don't know. We, hey, listen, man. 6'1", 287, 285. I think, we need, I think we need someone that's a little more stout. I mean, Chris Jones is a monster. And Chris Jones was had in the second round at the 37th pick. I'm not saying everybody's like Chris Johnson, Chris Jones, because that guy's just a monster, but those, brother, those brothers could be had. 
And we made a choice to go after Ed Oliver. Because there were some better players in that draft at that same position. Just saying. So let's get into the, 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 the content I wanted to get into. Because every year, I mean, at least for me, I look at who goes to the Super Bowl. I look at who, um, who advances to the AFC Championship game. And I look at, like, how did this team get there, number one? How do they operate? Who went to the Super Bowl? How'd they do it? And right now you have four teams that were in, that were in this, this, this conference championship, right? AFC, AFC championship game, NFC championship game. And I'm looking at how they were able to function, how they were able to move. And I'm like, man, what do the Bills need to do? Or what do, what do the Bills need to emulate from each of these four teams, something from these four teams that we could take into the offseason, implement it, and be better for next year? What were we missing? How do we, how do we, how do we get back to where we need to be? So I want to start with the Bengals. The Bengals comparing, oh, by the way, my man, Jason, <laughs> Jason is like, yo, I like your shirt. Yo, the shirt, the shirt is fire. Actually, I, I created this shirt, actually. Uh, I don't know. I was messing around. And uh, I was inspired by a shirt that I saw like seven years ago or eight years ago. I saw a shirt similar to this or something like that. And, um, and I was like, yo, let's try to recreate and do something else. So this is it. If you guys are looking for it, it's right here. She loves big sacks in that Buffalo D, baby. I know the wife does. That's for damn sure. But anyway, let us continue. Um, here's the deal. Looking at the Bengals. The Bengals, when I look at how their roster was made up, I look at how they were able to make their way to the championship. And I'm, and I'm making that in, 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 in direct comparison to the Bills, the Bills team. They they just they they had this uh they had this 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 um what's the best way I can explain it? There was a hunger. They were just hungrier. They were hungrier, and the big difference that 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 really had them above us was their discipline on the line. They were freaking disciplined, they stuck to it, they pushed our pocket, they just absolutely pushed our pocket. And when I'm looking at their team, I'm like, okay, it's not that their roster is way better than ours, because it's not way better. They got some good players. Don't get me wrong. They got good. They got a good tandem at the safety position. They got some good defensive linemen. But really, what it came down to is that damn defensive coordinator. Really came down to that. And I'm looking at what they were able to do. Lou Anaramo, I think his name is Lou Anaramo. Man, he really put a game plan together and he really he specified that game plan for the Bills, right? And it sounds like sounds very elementary what I'm saying right now. Well, he really but if you look at what Leslie Frazier did, Leslie Frazier just put a, a game plan together that was just kind of like vanilla. At least that's what it seemed like to me. Super vanilla. And I'm like, man. We got to do something, and we we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't get we couldn't get off the rocking chair. We couldn't get off the rocking chair. So what I took from that was we had a defensive corner on the Bengals that was creative, that 
that went and took away, you know, me big time player and Stefan Diggs. He just erased Stefan Diggs, took him out, just took him out there. He got Stefan Diggs exactly just, just pissed off. You know, you know the drill. I don't gotta go, I don't gotta keep going. You know the drill. And another thing that stood out to me with this Bengals team was that they 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 didn't abandon their run. You know what I'm saying? I had, I had it. I wouldn't say I had it out. Uh, there was, uh, I don't, because I'm in Canada, right? So I don't listen to WGR. Um, and I usually just do my own thing, right? And uh, I don't know who the host is. I think it's either Jeremy or the, and no disrespect, it's Jeremy or the other one, uh, Simon, I think. But I think it was Jeremy. And he was like, uh, but they only had 3.5 yards of carry or 3.8 yards of carry all year. And? Guess what? They had six yards of pop against us. So all that three yards of carry all year, they brought it for the playoffs. They brought it for the playoffs. Us, stagnant. You know I mean, we, we, didn't, we didn't bring nothing to the playoffs. We didn't bring nothing to the table. So to me, what stood out with the Bengals watching these Bengals is how creative they got on their defensive side of the ball. Nickel blitz, corner blitz. And they just, they just, they, they, we had no answers for them. That's what stood out to me. And they were disciplined. They were disciplined, man. They stayed with they stayed with the game plan. They didn't deviate. They stayed with the freaking game plan, and that's what I liked about it. So I want when we go into this offseason, whether Leslie Frazier's retained, which I think he will be, we need to get a little more creative, baby. We need to get a little more creative. And if it's the personnel you don't have, we'll knock on Mr. Bean's door and talk about, hey, here's the type, here's what I want to do with this defense. Here's the type of players I need, but I can't do this when you give me this. But that's neither here nor there because we're going to get into the playoffs. We're going to get into the offseason, and we're going to see what Brandon Bean gives him. But I need what I saw from the Bengals was creativity. Creativity on the defensive side of the ball, and it stood out heavily. I got to give a shout-out to my man, Silas. What's up, Silas? Silas had a bone to pick with me, and I was hoping that we could, we could hash it out. I didn't get a chance to get on this basis, bro. Um, but uh, he said it's a small bone, though. It's a small bone. Uh, Silas, what's up, Silas? Silas says um, Ed Oliver and AJ Epinesa should be traded for draft picks. Neither is productive, so we should restart the rookie clock. We need to draft and play the O-line receivers, speed ed rushers, learn from Vaughn. Not only that, learn from the Eagles, which brings me to the next team that we're going to play on. And I'm not going to move on from Silas's because he's like, move Ed Oliver and Epinesa. Will you get capital for Epinesa? Isn't Epinesa in his last... Like, doesn't he just leave after this year? I think he's done after this year. I think he becomes a free agent. I don't know. I got to I gotta look at the – I got to look to see what the uh, spot track uh, gives us. But um, at, the, at the end of the day, you're not – I'm not – I'm not – I like it. If you need to move on from these cats, because don't forget, we got Daquan Jones, which we should resign and, and extend him because he was a big difference in this defense. <laughs> Tim Settle is a – product that's going to get better i know when he when he left the the uh, washington commanders washington fans were like man you guys got a good one in tim settle so tim settle is going to settle in this defense and probably be the the two guys that anchor this defense going forward it might be those two brothers right and then bring in a rookie to learn behind these two boys but like i don't know man i i think i'm not i want to say my wits end but like i, I if they move on from ed oliver i'm I ain't crying. I ain't losing sleep. AJ Epinesa, ample opportunity. 
ample opportunity to 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 get get it going. And then coach was like, nah, you know, I'm going to draft Greg Rousseau and I'm going to draft Boogie Basham. The writing was on the wall when they did that back-to-back defensive ends. I'm with you. So Silas, I'm with you, man. If they need to move on from those cats, do it. You need to fit this defense for a little more speed on the edge because we got a lot of flat-footed, slower type of guys. Shaq Lawson ain't no speed back. He's always been an edge rusher. Uh, excuse me, he's always been a, an edge setter. No different for... Epinesa. Epinesa was supposed to be, it's weird because Epinesa was a bigger boy when he came out of college. Then he slimmed down to try to be a speed rusher guy. That didn't work out. So where are we at? Where are we at? And now we're going to another year, yet another year, and we didn't get enough from these guys. So I'm I'm with you, Sai. I'm ready. I, I'm I'm okay with, with kind of, you know what I mean, finding some draft capital for these guys and moving on from them and moving on from them. Um, but, uh, Let's go to the. Let's go. Let's go. To, let's move to the next team, and that's the that's the Eagles. What can we learn from the Eagles? And is there something that stands out to you guys that you can learn from these freaking Philadelphia Eagles, these Philly freaking Eagles? First things first, the freaking old line on the freaking Eagles, man. That is the one thing that stood out to me. I mean, let's just, let's just call it this way: the trenches. The trenches. Listen, the whole freaking defense is legit. You got big play Slay, Darius. You got Slayton. You got uh, excuse me. You got Slay on on one side. You got James Bradbury on the other. James Bradbury. I thought for sure we would have been in play for James Bradbury on our defense. He's got the length. He's got the the ability to play. He's got familiar with familiarity with the defense uh, of Carolina Carolina days. Because he's the one who replaced um, Josh Norman. So Bradbury came in and replaced Josh Norman. And you don't make a play for him. Was he, was he going to be pricey? Absolutely. And we would have had a nice corner, a veteran corner on that side. But no, we decided, now nah, we're good. We're going to go with the rookie side. Cool. You guys already know how that played out. So when it, when it comes to it, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. But anyway. Eagles, the freaking Eagles, man, fam, that freaking Eagles defensive front, offensive front is something else. They absolutely bullied. They absolutely bullied the 49ers and the 49ers. They don't have, um, they're not no scrubs on the offensive line. There are no scrubs on the offensive line. You got a big Trent, you know what I mean, Silverback on that side. Like they got, they got some some players, but they they really put in work on the Eagles. And then it got you thinking. We need more beef. We need more like nastiness on that on both sides, but more specifically, the offensive side of the ball. When you have a team against the number two rushing defense. The number two rushing defense, and that's the 49ers, they were allowing 82 yards a game. 82 yards a game. You had this team rolling. They they ran 44 times. 44 times. And it wasn't against some scrub-ass defense. This is one of the best defense in the league, if not the best defense in the league. 44 times for almost 150 yards rushing. On four touchdowns. And those four touchdowns, man, just moved. 
So then it brings me back to the Bills. We didn't move shit. We couldn't move anything. You know what I'm saying? We were we were pushed back. Like the the one guy that had a little bit of nastiness to him, obviously Spencer Brown. But Spencer Brown is a liability in the pass game. And we pass more than we rush. So like we got we gotta find a little more balance on that old line, but we need a little more nastiness. And that's what I learned from the Eagles, man. The Eagles, they they cater to their interior line. They cater to their defensive front. Listen, you have a team that's got Hassan Reddick. You got a team that's got Brandon Graham. You got a team, and Brandon Graham is, I mean, he's, he's getting long in the tooth a little bit. Brandon Graham. You have Fletcher Cox, right? Fletcher Cox is getting a little long in the tooth, but still freaking damn well effective. And then they bring in Jordan Davis, a big defensive lineman. They didn't stop. They could have said, yeah, we got Fletcher Cox. No, man, they, keep, they kept adding to the defensive front. Man. We need to we need to step our game up when it comes to the trenches. That watching the Eagles team, more specifically, I gotta look at the offensive side because I I just named the defensive side of the ball, but like more specifically on the offensive side of the ball, these boys they really freaking were bullying these cats. Starts off with your center, Jason Kelsey's got a nasty streak to him. You got you got uh, I can't pronounce his name in uh, uh, Jason Malaga monster you know what i'm saying like fam that lane john that's a solid freaking team bro i don't know what else i I gotta that needs to be shown to brandon bean that game should have been one of the javon hargrave thank you don't forget my man uh, kaza said that don't forget javon hargrave on the d no doubt man like they had they freaking they Yo, they invested in the freaking, in the trenches. They invested in Jordan Mylata. That's the guy's name. Thank you. They invested in that damn line. And they didn't just bring some scrubs in there. They really put the work in. So let's go, man. We need to freaking figure it out. Figure it out. Because the way I look at it, let's be real. Deion Dock is not going nowhere. He's not getting traded. He's not getting moved. He's, he's put. He's staying put. As far as everybody else, yo, expendable. But wait a minute, Rico. What about Mitch Morse? Mitch Morse is solid. I like Mitch Morse. He's not. He's not long in the tooth. Just he's getting up there. He's like, I think he just just turned thirty, maybe. Let me just see. I just need to see how old he is because the average age of the team is twenty seven. Mitch Morse is how old is Mitch Morse? Mitch Morris, I'm just clicking on his name right now. Mitch Morris is bump, 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 second round draft pick. He's eight years in the league. He's 30 years of age. Mitch Morris is 30. So we got to start making decisions with Mitch Morris. And when I look at Mitch Morris's contract, um, he signed up until two, uh, uh, 2024. So he's got another, another couple years on his squad right now. So it makes sense to just hold on to him because if we, we can't move on to him, we can't move on. I mean, it's a five. It's a, if we were to move on from Mitch Morse, I'm just giving you a heads up. If we move on from Mitch Morse, I know he's got his, his, his concussions. I think he's at like six or seven or he's at six. That's a lot. You move on from the dead cap is five mil this, this year. And next year, if you hold on to him, he'll be 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 32 years age, 32 years of age, I think we make a decision by then. But this is the time to look at getting his replacement. That's number one. Roger Saffold, gone. There's your opening at left guard. You know what I'm saying? Am I, am I opposed to moving on from Morse? If it, if it means bringing in somebody that's, that's, that's ready to go. Like we had Creed Humphrey, we had an opportunity to draft Creed Humphrey. We said, nah, we good. Look at what Creed Humphrey's doing right now. So we got to, we got, if we, if we, re, if we being real, you got to protect your quarterback, fam. You got to protect your quarterback. Get some youth on that damn line. Get some dogs on that line. And let's roll. Left guard, center in, is in question. Uh, he's a good center. I'm telling you, he's a good center. I ain't trying to, I ain't, but I'm looking at long term. Long term. Right guard, Ryan Bates. You need to find someone that can compete with him. I'm not hating on Ryan Bates. I like Ryan Bates. He was, it wasn't like he was horrible. It wasn't like he was great. He was just, and then Spencer Brown, we already know what's up with Spencer Brown. So to me, as far as I'm concerned, that line is something we have to, re, we have to look back and find out what's good. Do we, put, do we put Ryan Bates back to left guard? And leave him there and then find a whole right side, right guard, right tackle. Who knows? Do we shuffle some things around? All I'm hearing is, oh, potentially Spencer Brown might go inside. What? Oh, please don't. Like, don't do that. It's like it's a quicker path to the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? By putting him out there. At least they got to go around his long, his long ass arms on the outside. You put him inside? Oh, we're thinking of putting him in the inside. Dude, stop doing that. We're doing this to kind of switch things around because we, you don't want to give up on them. But like sometimes you just gotta, you gotta move, you gotta find ways, you gotta find ways, man. Now here's the deal. That's that that's our that's what I learned from the Eagles. The trenches we lack in the trenches. We got no nastiness. We got no no depth. Like we're just it, it wasn't great. We were not a very good line. And Josh proved that it, it proved to me how how. Not so great our line was in that last game against the Dolphins. They just got after us. And Josh was pretty much like running for his life, man. You go to the freaking uh, the Bengals game. They sent three. They sent three, and they got to Josh Allen. I mean, those guys chose to have one of their worst games in that game. It wasn't great. But, like, when you send three against five, nah, man, nah. I'm, I'm not buying that. DJ Reader absolutely disrupted our, our, our the game flow. Defensive tackle, he disrupted us. 
he wasn't he wasn't like it was a, a game record, but he he affected the game a lot. So the the trench, the defensive line and offensive line, yo, we got to do something. I know we're like, but we've already invested so much in the D line. We're done with the D line. In the middle, we just need that that one or two pieces, because there's some guys that are gonna move. I don't know if we're gonna keep. I'm saying Jordan Phillips, he might be gone. Shaq Lawson, who knows? What's going on with Shaq Lawson? Maybe we retain him. Maybe we don't. What goes on with, uh, I know with Tim Settle and Daquan Jones will probably stick around. AJ Epinesa, who knows? Ed Oliver, we did sign him for another year, so he might stick around, but we never know. We might trade him. Who knows? So there's some question marks on both sides of the trenches. So we got, we got a big offseason to fix this thing. We got a big offseason. Barry Cumberbatch, what's up, man? I see you, Barry. I'm going to get your comment in just a second. Uh, Family says, you, Enrico, we could have grabbed James Bradbury last year. Dude's been great for real. I said it, man. Yo, Bad Bradbury would have been a perfect fit for this defense. Nah, but we playing. We play too much. Cumberbatch, Barry, my man, Barry says, uh, lacking. I keep saying our O and D lines will determine how far we go, and that's for next year and years to come. And I, I added that part, years to come. That's for damn sure. But anyway, when it comes to the, the what we learned from the Eagles, that's what I learned from the Eagles. We need, we need, we need to uh, fortify the trenches heavy. And we obviously we're gonna get it. We're gonna return with uh, Von Miller coming back. Hopefully he's he's back at it and ready to go. And we get a, a Von Miller that's re, that's that's resurged and ready to go. And getting these guys galvanized to go. But we got to add some pieces to that defense because we're going to, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same offensive defensive line. Let's go. We need to do something about that. That's what I learned from that Eagles game. 44 times. They ran the ball 44 for 150 yards against the number two ranked defense. They didn't give a shit. Why? Because they knew they had the dogs to push those boys around. And that defensive line for the 49ers is no joke. They're damn good. Eric Armstead, you got freaking Joe Bosa in the mid. Yo, they got some ballers on that squad. So fortify that freaking O-line and D-line, man. Let's go. That's what I learned from the Eagles. Let's go to the Chiefs. What I learned from the Chiefs. Here's what I learned from the Chiefs. It's very apparent. The Chiefs don't give two shits about who plays. Can you play? Can I trust you? Get on the field. It's that simple. Is that simple? And if you guys are wondering what I'm talking about, they have no problems playing their rookies. I'm going to try to find that. Uh, there's there was a there was a tweet that was going out there on how how many rookies the Chiefs played. There it is. So the Chiefs rookies in the AFC game. Check how many rookies played. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, frick, eight rookies played in this game. And they all contributed, right? Running back Isaiah Pacheco. Love his style of play. He's like a he's like a faster version of Marion Barber. If you guys if you guys remember Marion Barber, that boy was just Marion the Barbarian, man. So Isaiah Pacheco had 85 yards per scrimmage. We drafted a running back in the second round. And we, 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 barely, we barely got an opportunity to see him what he could really, really do. Because we, you know what I mean? We want to make, like, they, they benched 
They benched Clyde Edwards Hilaire that they drafted in the first round. They drafted him in the first round. They said, yeah, Pacheco, take over. Take over. Come on now. Here we go. Jalen Watson, corner. Two pass breakups and an interception. Leave your rookies in. Joshua Williams, interception. Rookie, Trent McDuffie, corner. Two pass breakups. And it's not like he started the year. He started the year injured. And he worked his way from injury and now got onto the field. George Karloftis, defensive end, a sack. Brian Cook, another corner, a linebacker. I think it was a safety, excuse me. A pass breakup that created an interception. Tip ball. Sky Moore, rookie receiver, 29-yard punt return, a huge one. You know what I'm saying? We had some rookies on this squad, this squad that we, like, just, we had Kalushik here that had every opportunity to start this game. He had an awesome offseason. But we're like, nah, nah, we good. We got Isaiah McKenzie. And I'm not shitting on Isaiah McKenzie. But there's some limitations with Isaiah McKenzie. Kalushik here spent most of the year inactive or on the bench. No reason for that. No reason for that. You know that he could play. You saw the chemistry the first time he got into the game. First game. He's got, what, five receptions for 70 yards? No, 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 no. Put him on the bench. Put him on the bench. Let him season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kyrie Elam, first-round draft pick. We fucking around and just leaving him inactive. We, we got him on the bench, and uh, he's this and he's that. He's got to learn. That's the rookie. He's got to learn. You drafted in the first-round pick, and he had some moments. He had good games. He had some, he had some, his, I bet you his PSF, PFF grade is pretty decent overall. Nah, we good, man. Dane Jackson, get in there, boy. Get in there, Dane. All right. Like, come on, son. James Cook, we already talked about. Kyrie Elam, we already talked about that. We drafted a running, a linebacker in the third round. Doesn't see the time of day. He's a special teamer, which is, I also understand it because we have obviously Milano and Edmonds. We couldn't have drafted that in the fourth or fifth round. We couldn't use a third round for something else. You catch what I'm saying? Like, like the, the way that we, we deal with our roster is puzzling to me. Is puzzling to me. And that's on, that's on Brandon Bean and that's on McDermott. Like, but we don't trust these guys. Well, then draft, draft guys that you trust. Draft guys that you know that you can trust that can jump in right away. Oh, we're, they got to earn our man. If you don't miss with that shit, come on now. So what I learned from the freaking Chiefs, if you can ball, you get the call and you play, period. I don't care if you've been on this team for two years or three years. I don't care if I draft you in the first round. If you're not, if, if I see one guy's out playing you and he better fits our style of play, you're in. Christian Benford, at least as a sixth-round draft pick, he, he was making noise right from the from the jump, right from the jump. And he found his way onto the field until he got hurt. That is the one bright spot that I can say, okay, that was nice. I like that. I'm a fan. Baylin Spector, we don't know anything about Baylin Spector yet. Offseason, he had a great offseason. He, had, he, had, he, he stood up very much so in preseason. But that's preseason. You guys know what the drill, the drill is. But here's the, to me, the way I look at it is this. We need to get our act together when it comes to our rookies, man. Yo, fuck all the political, we need to get the veterans to play and this, that. Yo, can you play? Can I trust you? Get on the field. Period. It's annoying, man. 
you see all these freaking rookies flourishing, especially this this in playoff in a playoff atmosphere, AFC Championship game, and you got six rookies playing, seven. Six rookies. Seven, excuse me. Seven rookies playing. Come on, man. My man Amicus says, yo, I learned that scheme is everything. Scheme is a factor, a big factor, because scheme can mask, scheme can mask talent on your team. If you have a great scheme, anybody can jump in and, and do well and play there. Now, I'm not saying that the scheme didn't matter on our squad because it did. Scheme does matter. Do we need a new scheme? Is the scheme that we have played out? We need to figure it out. Because this, this NFL is an ever-changing NFL. What you did a couple years back ain't going to work right now. Like, listen, the, the craze, right? Back in when the Miami Dolphins were using the Wildcat, that was the craze. Everybody's like, what the, the Wildcat? My goodness, we, we can't stop. Brown, Brown was a freaking running all over the place with that, with that freaking uh, Wildcat, Ronnie Brown. We couldn't stop the, the freaking... Try doing the freaking walkout now. Here and there, it's, it's, it works here and there, but you ain't using that shit all day. This is an ever-changing NFL. Things change. Nothing new, but things, you know what I'm saying? Things change. It, 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 it evolves, man. So we got to be in the game where you got to evolve yourself. As a coach, as a GM, you got to, you know what I mean? You got to find a way to be innovative and try to find ways to freaking, you know what I'm saying? Be the change. Be the difference. Ah, frustrating. And last but not least, we got the Bengals, we got the Eagles, we got the 49ers. I hit on everybody? I hit on everybody. Actually, the 49ers is the next one. Here's what I learned about the 49ers. And this one's simple. Depth. <laughs> Depth is important. Because, listen, man, Trey Lance, they have, they're an unlucky team, man. Trey Lance goes down. Boom. Hold on, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna keep this up there. Uh, Amicus, here's what I know, Rico. Bills trended downward every game after week two. Teams figured Dorsey out and never adjusted, and we were still putting points up. That's the crazy part. I'm gonna get into Dorsey in a little bit, so I do want to touch on Dorsey. Um, the freaking 49ers. Trey Lance down. Freaking uh, Jimmy G plays, gets these guys back in contention. He goes down. Brock Purdy comes in, has these boys on a roll. They don't stop. They just win game after game after game. And Brock Purdy was a big part of it. This guy might be a freaking star in the making. He goes down. Josh Johnson comes in. He goes down. Fam, you know what it, it taught me about this game, man? Yo, have some depth. Have some depth because if, knock on wood, Josh goes down. I did not. I listen. You already know how I felt about our backup quarterback. <laughs> so have some depth. You know what I'm saying? Like when, if Deion Dawkins goes down, Questenberry goes in. Good depth, but okay. Von Miller went down. Did you see how our, our defense kind of, in terms of getting pressure, it dipped? You know what I'm saying? Depth. We need depth. And, and at one point, we were praised for having good depth. We were praised for having good depth. Right? Micah Hyde goes down. Here comes Hamlin. Hamlin was not horrible. 
He wasn't, but boy, was he a liability when it came to like missing big tackles. We need, we needed teams. We needed, we needed guys that were ready to get in there and tackle and be secure in tackling. And that's another thing. When we go into drafting, boy, oh boy, please, please get some guys that can get some guys that can tackle, get some guys that got edge, motor, get get all that stuff, man. And I know the draft is ain't that shit ain't easy. Well, boy, oh boy, man, you got scouts in there for a reason. Here, here's a suggestion, because I know someone that knows that knows their roster, that knows these these players very well, and is unpopular. But boy, would that be controversial and fun at the same time? If wouldn't that be crazy? If Brandon Bean was like, you know what, Doug Whaley, what are you up to, bro? Doug, come work for us. Come be part of the scout team because you 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 seem to have some good good talent evaluation because some of the guys on this team, you brought them here. When you look at who's on the squad, Doug Whaley was part of it. The last year, I think it was 2017. Then we draft Deion Dawkins that year. That's a product of, that's a product of, of Doug Whaley. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but hear me out though, right? Doug Whaley's got a good eye for talent. Just don't let this man, you know what I'm saying, be, be in charge of the books. Because he gets a little willy-nilly with the money. But wouldn't that be crazy? Doug, come and get me some talent. Because Doug knows talent. There's no question about that. Doug knows talent. Good old Dougie coming back to Buffalo. Anyway, I'm joking. Obviously, it wouldn't happen. But I'm not joking about the talent that he knows. Because if you think about who's on the squad that Doug Willie brought in, Jordan Poyer, that's a Doug Willie free agent hire. Uh, excuse me, uh, Jordan, yeah, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, that's a Doug Whaley. That's a Doug Whaley move right there. You know what I'm saying? Um, was it Milano? Was Milano a Doug Whaley? I think, was Milano in 17? Milano was in 17, right? Trey White, was that, was that Doug Whaley? I know some people say, well, uh, that could have been a, a McDermott pick, so be it. Where, however you want to look at it, Bean wasn't for that. The point I'm trying to make is Bean wasn't there for the 17 draft. So a lot of the talent that you see on this team that are, you know, we got on their second contract. Hello. <laughs> That's Doug Whaley, baby. So Bean, Mr. Bean, you, sir, I'm not saying you're on notice because I love Bean. I freaking love Brandon Bean. I think he's, I think he's great. I think he's great for getting free agent guys on the squad. I think he's fantastic. But 2018 was your, was your year that you're like, all right, I got you. Ever since then, we're kind of wondering what's going on, fam. What's going on, fam? We watch you, bro. We are watching you, sir. So I'm going to leave it at that. But those are the things I learned from these four teams, man. And like this, in this league, man, imitation is, is like when you imitate another team, it, it's a form of flattery. You know what I'm saying? This is a copycat league. And sometimes you got to see what these other teams are doing. Like, shit, I see what they did there. Okay, shit, okay, I see what... I want to be able to be able... I want to be able to, like, if... I, the Bills would never... Could you imagine the Bills running 44 times in a game? They would absolutely never do that. They would never do that. And that's the, that's the thing. The Eagles didn't give a damn. I know what I have in Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a baller. He can throw the ball. Absolutely can throw the ball. But I got some run. And it's not like they have a, a bell cow back. 
Miles Sanders was straight. They got freaking uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Memphis running backs are always great. Scott got in there. Like, they had, they, they were moving the football, man. Man. Anyway, I digress. But it's, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. I got We got a Houston, Texas fan in this bitch. What's going on, man? No one is going to beat the Chiefs. They're beatable. Stop. They're very beatable. The Bills beat them. The Bengals beat them. Stop it. You know what I'm saying? It's about matchups. Any, at the end of the day, it always becomes about matchups. Matchups, matchups, matchups. That's what it comes down to. But don't let don't be don't don't let uh this 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 Brandon Bean fool you. You know what I mean? I I'm gonna be a very critical on Brandon Bean this 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 offseason, man. I'm gonna see what this guy does with his roster because we know where our faults are. Our faults are in the in the trenches, heavily in the trenches. Cornerback room, like there's a lot of things that we're gonna have to address. There's a lot of things we're gonna have to address. I'm telling you right now, man. I'm looking at this roster right now. Josh Allen's money is about to kick in next year. Heavy. So that's going to be on the books. What's he going to be count for? He's going to count for what? Uh, going into 2023. So the 23 season just ended. So I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it here. When is when does his money really kick in? Or 25, 2025. So we got, we got some time. <laughs> we got some time with Allen, man. But that shit is going to, that's going to, that's going to kick in soon, bro. That money's going to start kicking in, man. And 25 is going to be 25 a year. Oof. Oh yeah. Here it comes. That money coming in, bro. That money coming in. But anyway, let me get, let me get into it, man. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is this, excuse me. I got that. I got that all messed up. That base salary is going to be kicking in at 27 mil. 27 mil. Now I see it. 27, 27 base, 3 million signing bonus. There's your 30 mil. And then another 8 mil in the option. And another 500, 100, 500,000. That's 39, 39 mil is going to be, that's going to be his cap hit. Now I see it. Woo wee. Now the money's coming in. Last year, you only counted for 16 mil. You could deal with that. 39 mil, 41 mil, and then 51 mil. Let's go. <laughs> that's when the money's coming in. So Brandon Bean is going to have to find a way to make it work. Make it work. Get that, get that boy the weapons he needs on offense. You got a lot of work. That's why they pay you big money, Brandon Bean. That's why they pay you big money. And I believe in you. But shit, we're going to be watching your ass, man. We're going to be watching your ass. What are you going to do in the draft? How are you going to get some draft capital? Who are you trading? Because you know you're going to have to move some things around. You're going to have to move some things around. Stefan Diggs' money is about to kick in as well. Stefan Diggs, the two biggest, highest paid players on the squad. Stefan Diggs is going to be, his cap hit is going to be 20 mil. Bang. It was lovely when it was $11 million. It's about to go up to 20 mil. The next year after that, 26 mil. And then we got to make a decision in 2025 when Stefan Diggs is 32 years of age. This is the business. That's why he's like, I want to win one now. That's why he's pissed off, man. He's pissed off. He's 29 years of age right now. He's about to be 30. I want to win right now. 
Our money, that money is going to start affecting us. My man James comes in and says, yo, you think we overpaid for Knox based on the cap? I like him, but not sure what, what that was the money, uh, that was money well spent. Um, we could look at it that way. But like, it was the market too. The market dictated a lot of that. Like, what's the market value? What's he going to get? What are the guys getting now? Um, and we had to make a decision. Let me see what's, what's going on with uh, my man Dawson Knox. So Dawson Knox going into this year. So his cap hit, oof. No, his cap is not bad. His cap hit is 16 mil. Ne excuse me, his cap hit is 6 mil. It's next year in 2024 that his cap hit is going to hit at 14. 14.4 mil. That's when it's going to hit. So 2024 is a big year. So we still got him on a cheap deal right now. And then 2024, he's going to be, it's going to be big money. And then by then we'll find out if we're really good. And by 2025, we have an opportunity to get out of that deal. If it's not working the way we need it to work. But he got 31 million guaranteed. So he's getting his. Six mil. That's a tough one. Daquan Jones. Just curious to see what Daquan, because I think he signed a one-year deal. Yeah, he signed a one-year deal. So he's uh, we're going into year a two-year deal. So we had with him last year. He's going to he's 32 years of age, and uh, his cap hit is going to be eight mil. So we got him for eight million dollars, and to me, that's that's I'll take it. I'll take it. At eight mil, I'll take that all day. But we need. But he's he's getting long in the tooth. So we need to find some some. We need to find a. Big time defensive tackle that's gonna that's gonna help us out. But as for Dawson Knox, this year coming up, not so bad. It's the next year. So hopefully this year he takes a big leap and we see what's going on, man. So right now, market value based on spot tracks, market value, Gabe Davis, 12.4 mil. Jordan Poyer is market value is 11 mil a year. Tremaine Edmonds, 11 mil a year. We're paying Ed, we're paying Ed Oliver 10.5. Devin Singletary, if he gets if he hits the market, 5.6 mil. Roger Saffold, good day to you, sir. And then Tyler Bass is due for, you know what I'm saying, some some contract talk. He's at 4.8. We'll we'll resign him. I'm not worried about that. Anyway. Some interesting things, man. We got we got a big offseason ahead of us. We have a big offseason ahead of us. And uh Brandon Bean, this is this is your this is your Super Bowl. This is what GMs always talk about. This is my Super Bowl. This is where I need to make my money, and this is where I need to earn my keep. My man Pistol Pete comes in with a super chat. What's up, Pistol Pete? He says, "Hey man, I've been saying this since we lost to the, in uh, lost the seventies to. Uh, I've been saying this since we lost the seventies to the Dolphins, set in the eighties, and set in the nineties at least four times, and I'm gonna say it again. Next year, man." We'll get him next year. <laughs> Pistol B, you're right, man. We're going to get him next year. Next year, we'll get him. Uh, there was a, I don't know what I saw. There was some conspiracy. Everybody's talking about conspiracy theories. I think it's some bullshit. But uh, somebody was saying, um, somebody put out a picture. And the picture was like, this guy guessed. It was, this, it was in 2015. He says, the NFL is rigged, and I'll tell you how it's rigged. And he said, who's going to win the Super Bowl all the way up until like 2026 or something like that. And he nailed every one of them. And he had the Chiefs. Did he have the Chiefs winning it this year? Or did he have the Eagles? I think he had the Eagles winning it this year. The Bills winning it next year. 
the Bengals winning it the year after that, and then some something like that. So, hey, maybe the next year is the Bills' time to win. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. My man Silas, what's up, Silas? Side comes in and says, yo, because of Dick's contract, uh, because of Dick's contact and agree, it makes sense to take some receivers in this draft. Mingo, defensive tackle, take Mozzie. Listen, 1,000%. 1,000%. Diggs going into... Listen, we know it makes all the sense because Gabe Davis clearly let us know that he's not a consistent receiver that we can say, yeah, we can count on that way. We don't need to go receiver. Receiver to me, and it was a it was a conversation last year, and it's definitely going to be a conversation this year. Now, the question is, what kind of receiver do you go for? Do you go for something as similar to Stefan Excuse me, Stefan Diggs. Do you go for a big boy like a six-two-six-three receiver? Do you go for a speed receiver that can get downfield and, and he's got reliable hands? What type of receiver we're going for? That's a big one. But yeah, you can't neglect the receiver position. Contract talk on, on Stefan Diggs. He's gonna be 30 years of age. Not that that matters right now because these boys are still producing. Uh right now, the conversation right now could be is do we forego drafting a receiver and throw a draft pick? to the Arizona Cardinals and say, yo, give me D-Hop. Pair D-Hop and Stefan Diggs together and Kalu Shakir in the slot. Now you have reliable pass catchers. You can't double team one guy. You got to look D-Hop's way. And if you don't look at D-Hop way, you got to look Stefan Diggs' way. And then put Kalu Shakir in the slot. Bob's your freaking uncle. And now you invest in the O-line, get these guys, these beasts that can get Allen standing up and not freaking feeling pressure. And let's get after it. I'm not a GM. What do I know? <laughs> what do I know? Anyway, folks, that's my time. Silas, I appreciate that comment, man, because that's that's facts. We cannot get away from the receiver spot. We need that receiver spot. Um, I'm only now starting to get over the loss. I'm only now starting to get over the loss. I was pissed off for a long time. I was mad. I was like, yo, I can't believe it. We we just, we just, we didn't play well whatsoever. It was a joke. What an absolute joke. And if if these guys are really what about that life, they need to get their act together. Now, here's the last point I'm going to make. I know a lot of people are like, yo, get rid of Dorsey, fire him. He this, he that, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Here's the crazy part. Even in Dorsey's... Um, Inability, if you say, to be creative and so on and so forth. We put up 28 points a game. We put up 28 points a game in a first year's OC. He was a first year offensive coordinator. And we were able to put up 28 points a game. So scoring was not the issue. Scoring wasn't the issue. We could score. It's just that we need him to tweak Certain things are making us unpredictable. And in his second year, you could learn that. You can. You know what I'm saying? As if this guy was unimaginable, he couldn't do anything. We're not putting up points, and we just stagnant. We were never stagnant. We always put, we could always put up points. It's just that now you face some defenses. You face defenses you've never seen. You face schemes you've never seen. You learn from that. You learn from those schemes. So it's crazy. You fire a, a, a offensive coordinator that has you in the top 10 in his first year, right? 
Look at Dallas. Dallas let go of Kellen Moore, but he's with the, he's been with the team four years. So they they had a, enough of a sample where they're like, nah, we're good. This is first year calling plays. So you got you to give them a little bit of leeway. But all eyes are going to be on these cats. All eyes are going to be on Dorsey. All eyes are going to be on the whole front office. All eyes are going to be on the whole squad, no, no matter what. Silas says, yo, the scoring and production is because of talent. Four verticals. It is because of talent. Don't get me wrong. Talent, I've said this before. I think it was a, a year and a half ago, two years ago. I said, Josh Allen has is getting to that status where he's like Tom Brady, right? Where you eventually you're gonna have to move on from a guy like Diggs, eventually. And with a with Josh Allen, you should be able to put anything around him and it'll go. It will go. But but let's not be foolish and let's not be too emotional in this situation. Because that's the thing with fans. We get emotional. We get too emotionally invested and we think because this happened and that happened, fire his ass. That's not the way it works, people. There's, there's, you've got to find a way to tweak. It's tweaking, right? Could you imagine you working your job? You get there your, your first year and you, you know what I'm saying? You you know the job, but you're officially in charge of doing it. You're gonna make some freaking mistakes. You're gonna make some mistakes. And the year a guy comes in and says, you know what, you're done. What? At least give me an opportunity to fix my errors. You know what I'm saying? I think I have a plan. I'm gonna put things together, so on and so forth. Evaluate me then. But we're so emotional. Fire him. Listen, the production was there. We put up 28 points a game. I don't care how you look at it. We put up 28 points a game. And the one thing that stands out to me that, that, that comes back to me is against the Lions, okay? Against the Lions, and the Lions were playing as tough. And Josh Allen said it himself, and this is how I'm going to end this show. Josh Allen said it himself. He says, we're always constantly talking. And he came up to me, he's like, Josh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a play. He created a play on the fly. He says, we might try this play, but check this out. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And that very play that they spoke about was the very play that got him in freaking field goal range to win the game, right? When Josh Allen fired that ball right into Stephon Diggs. That's the OC. Hey, man, I was thinking of this play. I was thinking that we could do this and we could do that. Let's not forget, the man played in the league, collegially played. It's not like he's some bum off the street. Like, he knows he knows the quarterback position. You give him an opportunity. I'm not really, I'm, I'm not as harsh and as hard on these coordinators as you think, because to me, the players are the ones that play and the players that execute. How many plays has Dorsey called and Josh Allen probably didn't do it? He didn't execute the way he's supposed to execute it. That wasn't the play, Josh. Josh, the play was for you to go here. Why'd you go here? You threw an interception. How many times do you see a quarterback come on and be like, and the coach choose his ass out. Yo, why'd you throw it over here? That's not where the freaking play is supposed to be. It's supposed to be here. Oh, sorry, coach, but I saw it this way. That's not the fucking play. How many times do you think that Josh Allen deviates from that? The dude is a guy that deviates often. Runs out of the pocket. Now he's, he's you know what I'm saying? Sometimes Josh goes rogue. You guys know that. You see it. It's live in front of your eyes. So to put the blame on Dorsey, Maybe Dorsey calls the right freaking play, but the quarterback doesn't make the right read. So then he scrambles 
and finds a way around. So I'm not going to sit here and, and get on him. Now, what I will get on him about is to utilize his running backs more. You have a pass catching back in James Cook. You have a pass catching back in Naeem Hines, and you fail to use them. That's unacceptable. You need to find ways to get your guys involved. You need to find your guy. You need to find ways to get your guys, you know what I'm saying, that make plays that can move the chains involved. You get Naeem Hines in space? Come on now. But it all starts with getting a freaking line that can stand up and withhold the pass rush. We got to do better. We got to do better. Dorsey never made any adjustments all season. Give him an opportunity. He's got to learn. Listen, Tom Brady, and I'm using Tom Brady for this reason. Tom Brady has seen in his 20-plus years, he's seen so many defenses, so many, that he now can say, oh, fuck, I've seen that back in 20, back in 2001, they pulled this stuff. I know exactly what this is. Bing. But that's, that's, that's repetition. That's seeing things often. After one year, you got to let a guy freaking breathe and make some adjustments, man. Come on now. Y'all, y'all are being too much now. Y'all are being too much. But anyway, I'm going I'm to end it like this. Folks, <laughs> my man, Deacon Rogers. What's up, Deacon? Deacon gets me, man. I think we've become too emotional as fans. Too emotional. My man Rev says, yo, give him an opportunity. Give him an opportunity. Rico, he had 17 regular season games and two playoff games to make adjustments. And that's enough for you, Rev? And that's enough. Do you know some of the best coaches in this game have had some horrible leaders? Imagine that. You don't, you don't think that the, the Browns are kicking themselves in the pants for letting go of Belichick? I bet you they are, but they probably let him go too soon. I'm using that example. I don't know the, the history, but I know that he was with the Browns at one point, and he said, yeah, you got to go. We get too damn emotional. You got to give people opportunities, man. You got to, because if we, get, if we got rid of Brian Dable after the first year when it was horrible, after the second year, we wouldn't have seen what Brian Dable would have done with, with Josh Allen in year three and year four. Ibrahim Hassan, no, he's not speaking facts. He's absolutely not speaking facts. One year and you want to, he had adjustments to make. Get out of here with that. I, I'm not taking that. That's lazy talk. He had one year to make adjustments. You got your, your first year freaking coach calling plays. Does he have familiarity with the roster? Yes. But it's his first, calling plays as a, as a first is different. Could you imagine if we did that shit to Brian Dable? Get out of here with that, man. I'm not, I'm not buying that. And I'm not, I'm not agreeing with Rev. Rev is too emotional for me. <laughs> and he knows it. I call him out for him all the time. Too emotional. He has 17 regular season games to get it done. Come on now. But we were the number two. Here's the this is the crazy part. We were the number two offense in the in the game. Number two. Maybe number three. But we were a top five offense. He didn't make adjustments. Get rid of him. We were praising him the first six weeks, right? And then some injuries happen. And then teams start figuring us out a little bit. He's got to learn on the fly. You got to give him, you got to give him opportunity to rectify where he's he did some things where he's you got to give these guys an opportunity and to get a chance. 
Like some fans are too ready to get rid of this guy, fire him, fire him. And that's how bad franchises are made. Bad franchises are made. When you keep firing after the coach, go look at the Texans. Fire this guy, fire that guy, fire this guy, fire that guy. Look where they're at. Man, cut it out. I ain't buying that shit. Sorry, Rev. I ain't buying it. And you can talk about it all you want tomorrow on your show or on Thursday. Get at me. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let y'all go. I got to get to work. I'll let you boy. If you guys enjoyed the show, smash that like. If you guys are watching on podcast form, salute to y'all. Appreciate y'all. We are the, the official podcast for Fansided. So if you'd like to go and hit up on Fansided, check out our podcast right on there. And away we go. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. We'll catch you guys. And be good. Y'all already know, man. I always say it to you guys all the time, man. Be kind to everybody, man. You don't know what goes, what's going on with somebody. Be kind. Your, kind. your words matter. Trust me. Your words matter. So appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great evening. And we will catch you guys on the flip side. And until next time, it's your boy. And I'm gone. Y'all have a good one. Catch you on the flip side. Peace.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 